HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Yolele, the revolutionary African foods company. Learn more at yolele.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're foraging. From Prospect Park to an iPhone app, what does it mean to find our own food? We've recorded, I think, over 1,300 species of fungi occurring in New York City. You know, my ingredients are making themselves, and so that rather than having the stress of needing to source the things I need, I can just walk out my back door and I can have them. Foraging overall is born out of living with the land and with the seasons by indigenous people. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Tena, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, wame, and izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Michael Gerard, who is the founder and the president of Whitewood Ovens and Barbecue based in California. Michael manufactures various wood-fired cooking equipment, including yakitori grills. Yakitori is grilled chicken on skewers, and its simplicity demands tremendous skills and experience of the cook, not to mention great equipment. Michael is one of the very few yakitori grill manufacturers in the U.S. and in the world to be uh, exact. So today we'll discuss how Michael got into producing um, wood-fired cooking equipment, where he, where his passion for high-quality food comes from, what exactly yakitori is, a unique and powerful fuel used to make yakitori called binchotan, and much, much more. But before we start, Japanese is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, which way will you listen to, and subscribe to Japanese. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Michael Gerard. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Akiko. So, um, yeah, this is exciting. It's a very uh, fun topic. It's uh, yakitori grills and yakitori. So, first of all, where are you from, and what did you eat when you grew up? 
Look, Hiko, I'm from a little neighborhood north of downtown LA called Eagle Rock. And growing up in this neighborhood, all the properties had very large backyards. So we had a large vegetable garden. My father had honeybees, uh, many different types of vegetables that we would grow, you know, from beets and mustard greens to a lot of the strange stuff like, you know, kale and uh, eggplants. Pretty much every season it changed. Mm, right. But, you know, we, we grew what we ate. Yeah, it's like a farm to table <laughs> since your childhood. Yeah, before it was trendy. Right. Okay. And then uh, I heard that you began working for the family business at the age of nine. So what is the business um, and, and what did you learn from it? Well, the business was uh, electrical contracting. My dad was uh, a business owner and he had several trucks. And so I learned how to design factories, uh, electrical systems for garment factories, manufacturing, all kinds of industries. And I think uh, it kind of laid the groundwork for my second career, uh, which was uh, making uh, barbecues because working in manufacturing facilities, I learned how things were done. I learned about machinery, uh, the sales process. So um, I just believe that it happened for a reason and it helped me in my new career of developing barbecues and grills. Mm, interesting. It's somewhat related, but somewhat not. So let's just uh, find out more. So before you started your own business, uh, like you said, you make cooking equipment, what was your career exactly? Well, after I left my father's company, I opened my own uh, contracting company called Electel. So right off the bat, I fell in with uh, TV and media companies. So I started with a company called Movie Time, and they morphed into entertainment television. So I typically did all kinds of projects from stage and studios to sound booths, uh, you know, avid recording bays pretty much everything you can imagine in that industry. Mm, right. And then you founded Whitewood Ovens in 2003. So what is the mission? Of, what is the mission of your company and what kind of products do you offer? Well, when I founded Wildwood, it was mainly based on my desire to have a wood-fired pizza oven. At the time, nobody had these in their home. It was very hard to get when they were all imported. It took me two years to develop the product and to learn how to make the molds. But the mission is really, I believe that if I loved this type of cooking as much as I do, there would be other people that loved it as well. I thought I'm pretty normal. And so I says I took a basically a leap of faith, Akiko, and I decided to start manufacturing the ovens. And I still did my electrical contracting at the same time till I was comfortable that the new company was going to fly. Mm. And after two years... Uh, it flew and it flew very high. Mm, right. But, you know, I whenever I pass by like really good looking Italian pizza place, there's like really specific Italian imported um, oven. So it's not easy, right? Because it's, uh, it's something very traditional and uh, it looks simple, but there must be really technically hard to uh, replicate the kind of uh, classic Italian uh, style pizza ovens. Was it very hard? extremely difficult um you know i mean to make the molds and develop the engineered material i mean this is not concrete these pizza ovens are made out of it's a very high temperature material so yeah it was it was difficult 
but at the same time, it's rewarding. Uh, every time we accomplish a hard task, Mm. It sets us up for future success. Mm. Right. And also, um, you produce uh, Brazilian and Chuskeria barbecue oven. So that's another thing that's pretty rare, isn't it? Well, yes. And, it, and that kind of started off with, um, you know, I have family from Brazil and I would travel to Brazil quite a bit and spend time there. And I fell in love with churrasco, which is, you know, the traditional Brazilian skewers of different types of meats skewered individually so that we preserve the flavor of each of the different cuts of meat. And that's what I, I, I wanted to bring that to America as well. So we started making uh, the Brazilian style grills that rotate and in the same tradition of just real wood cooking. Mm. Right. Um, so basically, what do you offer is uh, for cooking uh, at home, outside area? Or what kind of uh, product do you offer? Well, the products I offer can go indoors or outdoors. I, I typically, what I like being outdoors and cooking outdoors, and it's just a, a more fresh environment. So I specialize in manufacturing outdoor kitchen systems, uh, of course, the outdoor pizza ovens and the grills. Um, but they can all be used indoors. Most of our clients are restaurant and commercial clients these days. So they're all using them in uh, open front of the house kitchens where you can see the action and the fire. And, you know, like, uh, you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. It's just an, an excitement level. Right. Yeah, that's why the, the open kitchens exist. <laughs> Um, okay, and then uh, what is special about using wood for cooking as opposed to other common methods like gas? Well, there's quite a few different things about it. It's it, the, the interaction, I think, is what the chef likes uh, immediately. I think that it goes back to our primal roots of cooking around the campfire. There's just something that's... Um, somewhat primitive about it that entices us. Um, but I can say this, the flavor profile that you get from cooking with wood is so much more improved than gas. Um, I, I, when I cook at home personally for myself, I always cook with wood. Mm. So, because it's hard to control, but it has a different, um, I don't know, rays of, I don't know, <laughs> technically. It sounds like it's just so much, it's simpler, but so much more going on. It's like uh, organic food. It's, uh, it's not reduced to something. Well, it's definitely more of a challenge. And, and keep in mind, we're really just cooking with the hot coals. I don't ever want the smoke, too much smoke from the, the flavor of the wood on the food. I'm, and that's where the secret and the magic is, is being able to, know what the temperature is and adjust it by either adding more coals or taking coals away to achieve the perfect uh, cooking time and balance. Mm. Right. And also, um, I've been to a couple uh, wood oven uh, restaurants and then the height, meaning the distance between food and coal, that's probably 
it's very another element that you have to keep watching and you have to change the distance too because otherwise you could overcook it or undercook it. So it's almost like you have to really multitask to make good food. Well, we've kind of helped make the process a little easier with our Argentine style grills. We incorporate a front wheel winder that makes it very easy for the chef or the homeowner to just crank the wheel and if the fire is a little warm and he's seeing the, the meat's getting a little cooking too fast or maybe getting a little too much color, we'll just raise it a little farther from the heat. Uh, and, and then conversely, we'll lower it. If the fire is dying out and we don't have as much heat, we can just put it right down low, close to the heat to you know achieve the result that we're looking for. Mm, right. Okay. Um, so we'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll dive into yakitori and yakitori grills. So please stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Yolele, a revolutionary African foods company based in Brooklyn, New York. Yolele was founded by Senegalese chef, activist, and cookbook author Pierre Thiam. Yolele creates income opportunities for smallholder farming communities, supports their sustainable farming practices, and shares Africa's ingredients and cuisines with the world, starting with Fonio. Fonio is a delicious, nutrient-dense, gluten-free ancient West African grain. Fonio is also drought-resistant, so it's good for the planet. Yolele is creating a market for fonio and other African crops grown under resilient farming systems to foster a more biodiverse, drought-tolerant landscape across West Africa. Try Yolele's fonio, quick-cooking fonio pilafs, and new fonio chips boldly flavored with the ingredients and flavors of West Africa. Sign up for their newsletter for recipes, notes from the field, and culinary discourse and get a free bag of Fonio with your next order of $32 or more. Learn more at yolele.com. That's Y-O-L-E-L-E.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Oki Katema, and my guest today is Michael Gerard, who is the founder and president of Wildwood Ovens and Barbecue based in California. Michael manufactures various wood-fired cooking equipment, including yakitori grills. So now let's talk about yakitori grill. So for listeners who are not familiar with yakitori, yakitori means grilled chicken on skewers, and um, these are simply flavored with salt or soy sauce. Um, I mean, the sauce made with soy sauce, mirin, and sugar. So the chef's skills are very important to make the great yakitori, um, as well as, of course, good equipment. And there are many yakitori restaurants in Japan, and yakitori is also a popular item at the izakaya, which is a casual eatery serving a variety of food that go well with alcoholic drinks. So, so Michael, how did you end up with manufacturing yakitori grills, which is not widely known to most of us outside of Japan? Wow, that's a great question, Akiko. So I was, I, I've had, we've all had skewers and yakitori before, but I came upon the decision when I was sitting in a izakaya with a friend, and we were you know, just really enjoying the skewers and the, the grilled meats. And I just said to myself, I love this. I'm going to make one of these. And it took me about a year and a half. I had, I had a couple of failures. Uh, actually, they weren't real failures because I learned. But 
Um, what I th- really, the takeaway was with yakitori, the chef was taking a chicken and he was separating the chicken into all the different parts and putting them on a skewer individually. And I said to myself, this is so much similar to what we do with Brazilian barbecue. We take, we don't mix the types of meats. We taste them individually. And I just, I, I just go, I have to make this. I mean, and of course, when you mentioned the shio style or the tare sauce, uh, all those things spoke to me. And I, I just immersed myself in Japanese cuisine and started learning how to make dashi stock, which is going to go into the tare sauce. I started learning about the simple Japanese salts. And I just never looked back. It's one of our leading products now. Mm, right. Well, like you said, well, you grew up in a very uh, farm-to-table environment. And I think yakitori is all about ingredients, how much you do not touch, but you um, extract the best part of the simple meat. And also, we're going to talk about it later, but there's so many different parts uh, just out of one bird, which probably in normal American style diet, you don't even imagine how many you can eat, even like cartilage and all of those things. So yeah, it's exciting that you actually got into this business. So, um, but do you know how many other yakitori grill manufacturers exist in this country, in the U.S.? I really don't. I, I, I'm pretty sure we're the, the only game when it comes to professional NSF food safe mm. certified grills right yeah one time i looked up and then they're all like you know imported items so i'm pretty sure you are very one of the very few or maybe only one um so what is the difference between regular grills and the yakitori grills it's a style thing uh the yakitori grill is normally the firebox is about six inches wide uh and it can be as long as, you know, six feet long, but it's also very shallow. And traditionally you're cooking, the distance between the charcoal and the skewer is very close. Uh, and we're, um, we're always usually cooking with, as you know, the Binchotan style charcoal, which cooks with far infrared heat as opposed to other charcoal. So the meats actually cook from the inside out. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, let's talk about binchotan because if you talk about yakitori, you, you cannot skip binchotan in the discussion. So what is, um, what exactly is binchotan? It's, it's a special charcoal and it's just called binchotan, but what is exactly is binchotan? What is the advantage of using binchotan? compared to other types of fuel, such as gas or regular charcoal? Well, the advantages of using it is, number one, it's traditional for this type of cooking. So I'm always about tradition. And even when I look up a recipe, I'll always try to get the most traditional recipe because that's going to be my starting point. So when it comes to binchotan, it's it's produced in a very specific way. Um, in a special kiln with red clay that's cut from the mountains of the Kishu region. Okay, so the Bencho kiln can reach up to 10,000 degrees Celsius, and it conducts heat for weeks on end. So the charcoal is made by craftsmen. 
that line up branches of the, the wood inside the kiln and they supervise it for many days, uh, up to 14 days it'd take to produce the binshotan. And after the coals have become red hot, the charcoal is pulled out of the kiln uh, and smothered with a mixture of ash and, and dirt uh, to cool it. So it's actually carbonized two times. And it's a, as you know, it's just a very time-consuming process, but like food or any good preparation, that's how we, you know, achieve the best flavors is through a time-consuming process. Mm, right. Yeah. And also I heard in the process, it's in kiln and then the burning process is more like um, steaming rather than burning. Correct. When they cover it with the ashes and the dirt, that's the second steaming process. But as us chefs and, as, and what we like about it, is it, it's longevity of the burn time. We can take it many times when I'm just making dinner for myself and friends, we'll do our grilling and then we can actually take the sticks of binchotan out of the grill when we're done and dip them in water and reuse them. The water just cools them immediately, but they're still hard and we can still light them again the following day. Mm. So it's, it has a lot of times, uh, two uses to it. Right. Well, I actually looked up the price of Kishu binchotan. There are many different binchotans, but Kishu is really the top um, kind of brand or the name of GI of binchotan. Uh, it's from Wakayama, Wakayama Prefecture near Kyoto. And uh, a case of binchotan is $250. And it's just, there are so many other types of binchotan from China, from Korea, and uh, the price is not so bad. <laughs> I mean, not so that high. Um, by the way, so there's another um, product called Ogatan. Ogatan is, uh, you know, the cheaper version of Binchotan. And it's basically um, made out of sodas of uh, the wood. So it's kind of like uh, artificially formed and it's much cheaper. And also it's just a recycled product. So that's another thing probably you can consider. Yeah, well, in my job, I've had to experiment with many, many styles and charcoals from different origins. Um, what I can tell you about the Oregon is that it produces more smoke. It doesn't last as long. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that's what you're going to see in all the street uh, vendors right. that are cooking in Thailand. And it's it's not bad. It's it's just uh, it's not what I would prefer to cook with because of the smoke factor and it doesn't have such a pure flavor. Mm, right. So yeah, a big part of uh, binchotan, good high quality binchotan, is that there's no smoky smoke of uh, flames, so um, you can avoid adding undesirable smell or burn on food. So that's why people still uh, need to buy the expensive binchotan. Um, and also I heard, um, you know, the surface area of binchotan per one, one gram can be as, as wide as tennis court. <laughs> so it's like so much uh, exposure uh, to the air. So you can uh, put it in, uh, like in water, you can purify it. And uh, you have like a stinky, you know, shoebox or something. You can get the, the whole bad smell uh, removed because of the binchotan. So that's, yes, that's uh, true. after you cook and you don't have to throw it out. 
It's, I don't know, I, I've never measured the number, but I put,、uh, sometimes I put、um, bintotan in my water and feels good. <laughs> Maybe it's cleaner. Well, that's what they say.、Mm. Right. Okay. So,、um, so, what is the most challenging part of cooking with bintotan? Hmm. I'd say the most challenging part is igniting it because it's very hard to get it to start、uh, burning the density of it. So, that was one of the key factors when I developed the Yakitori Grill was I decided to put a gas burner in it. Uh, the gas burner can be used in two different ways. It can be used to ignite the binchotan and then turn it off and cook with binchotan only. Or some cities like New York, they don't always want them using charcoal or solid fuel for the, the grill. So、uh, they can use our Yakitori grill with ceramic briquettes. And cook the food that way. And it's a very pure flavor. It's、uh, great results.、Uh, and they're not using any charcoal at all.、Mm, right. Okay. So it's like、uh, having a battery for like a speaker or something. So it's like a backup system, right? Precisely. Right. Okay.、Um, by the way, I just remembered. So our. Guest on episode 201, Jeremy Hunter told us that his father in law、uh, was 86 years old and then、um, he's a yakitori master, cooking yakitori for decades and decades. And, uh, and uh, you know, the father in law said that a perfect skewer comes out of、uh, only one in one to five a year. So he, throughout the day, he makes thousands of yakitori, but he said it's, it's as rare as one to five a skewer. A year to call it perfect. So it sounds like it's very hard. Well, it's definitely an art. And I'll tell you, I am still learning.、Um, I've had nights where everything was perfect.、Uh, I've had nights where, you know, it's very challenging. And it, it's, it's definitely not something you're going to learn in one day.、Mm, right. So, I mean, I would imagine some of our listeners are interested in. Trying、uh, you know, binchotan, but is that because of the climate, like a weather or certain kind of food, or what's the variable? What are the variables that could affect the quality of the food you make? I would definitely say it's the type of grill. If, you, if you're going to take binchotan charcoal and try to put it on a Weber,、uh, you're going to be getting a lot of air underneath. It's, it's not going to burn the same. It's, I'd say if you're going to, the, the best way to achieve excellence is start off with. A true yakitori grill.、Mm. You're going to have the, the charcoal in the correct proximity to the meats.、Um, and I think that's the most important factor.、Mm. Right. Actually, I've seen a couple of restaurants,、uh, new American restaurants, not the yakitori restaurants in New York City, and Western chefs、um, cooking、uh, different kinds of meat over the yakitori grill. So it seems like people really.、Um, Learning about this specific product, maybe that,、um, you know, like more flavor,、uh, rich element of the grill, and also maybe chef's challenge. So, it may be we're going to start seeing more yakitori grills and you'll be <laughs> busier. I hope so. <laughs>、uh, 
Um, okay, so speaking of, so your products are only for professionals because they are bigger, or you do sell smaller ones too? Well, we have uh, small yakitori grills that are, you know, suitable for home. We have larger ones, but uh, I have so many clients that buy restaurant equipment and put it into their home just because that's what they want. Mm. Right. Uh, you know, it's this is pricey equipment, so it's not it's not for the average homeowner. Uh, but um, you got to understand, there's still a lot of people out there that money is no object and they only really put their focus on quality and good taste mm, right i saw um on your website it's like uh 3300 to 8800 dollars and uh mm-hmm. it could be a good good um investment depending on what kind of restaurants you're looking for um but um so your restaurants, uh, you are your clients mainly restaurants, like almost like ninety percent in the states. Uh, with the yakitori grills, yes, mm. uh, and you know we've got we've got yakitori grills in the Hyatt hotels in Rio de Janeiro. We've got them in Dubai, uh, Spain. So I mean they they travel the world to any place that a chef wants to have authenticity and quality. Mm. So how do they use the grill? Well, they would use it in much the same way that we use it here. Typically I'd places like Dubai, uh, Brazil, I'm almost certain they're using it with the ceramic briquettes um, to cheat because I don't know that they're, because I know they're not buying Binchotan charcoal from me. Which doesn't mean that they're not getting it from somewhere else, but I would say most of the clients are using it as a gas uh, cooking appliance. Mm, right, but uh, very similar effects, and your technology made it kind of similar to yakitori grills. Yes, right. Yes. Mm. But how? I mean, the do, do you do it by the control system, like we talked about, distance between food and the heat source, right? So is that how you can make it even closer to as if you're cooking with charcoal, uh, binchotan grill, uh, binchotan charcoal? Well, there's a couple of things I did differently when I developed the yakitori grill. Uh, number one is I, because we made it a gas dual fuel hybrid unit, the chef can use the gas knob just like you would use the gas knob at home to turn the flame up, turn it down. Mm. Now I did something that was really different is I also made elevation racks that say the chef's cooking over you know, Benchotan and it's, it's very, it's at a very hot stage. Uh, I have elevation racks that have three levels and that allows him to maybe put the shiitakes up on top because those want to cook with more gentle heat and the same with the okra. We don't want to burn the okra. We want it to be kind of gentle so he can move those up. Uh, so we have so many accessories that work with our yakitori grill. I mean, I even developed a teppanyaki griddle plate. So if the chef's doing omakase and maybe he wants to do something fun like okonomiyaki or uh, teppanyaki with some wagyu, because you're not going to want to put wagyu on a skewer because there's too much fat. Um, I also brought in a takoyaki pan 
as part of the accessories that you could sit right on top of the Yakitori grill. So I'm trying to keep it fun with accessories and also give the chef a lot of options when it comes to his creativity of what he can cook with our equipment. Mm, right. So this is another example of how traditional Japanese concept like yakitori grill is expanded by, you know, like creative American mindset, which you did. So I really appreciate that. It's very exciting. And I think that the idea of yakitori grill is just the precision and also kind of obsession, how to cook um, different parts of delicate meat of chicken. And yeah, that can be applicable to not just chicken, but many other different types of food. So to me, this is very exciting. Oh, it is indeed. So, um, so now yakitori is an umbrella term for various parts of chicken, like we said, and such as breast, neck, wings, and cutlets, and many others. So, um, and it's a very sustainable food because literally you eat from head to tail. Uh, so, can you tell us the basic parts of yakitori meat? Absolutely. So the the basic ones and the ones that we're probably the most familiar with would be the thigh meat um, with green onion, the chicken breast, maybe wrapped with bacon or or something of that nature. Um, The thigh and the chicken breast are the the most common ones. But I think the the fun ones are when you get into the chicken livers, the uh, cartilage, which is that that bone in the middle of the breast that we're always throwing away. Um, and it's really interesting when you watch the true yakitori chefs, when they break down the chicken, how they segregate the skin from all the different regions and they keep them separate. So one of my favorite things to eat is chicken skin and the neck skin is so delicious and they all, the skin has a different little flavor profile. So when you go to the right yakitori is a Kaya restaurant and you've got a chef that's offering you these different exotic pieces, mm. try go definitely try them because um, it's so delicious. Right. And something like bonjiri that's tail. And uh, like they often, um, I mean, the heart is very popular and a gizzard. And of course, like you said, liver. So like it's very uh, ogyan meat oriented and very nutritious and also delicious. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and that's also, you know, reminded me of when I was my, in Brazil is we always eat the, the chicken hearts in Brazil. It's one of the, the favorite things that we would feed to the kids. They all love a skewer of chicken hearts. And I think if somebody's out there listening and they haven't tried these parts, you need to try them because you're you're really missing out on delicious flavors and tradition. Mm, right. Yeah. And especially, I mean, thigh, breast, and wing, those things are very popular. But if you go to yakitori place and you sit at the counter in front of the chef, then you have to try all those interesting parts because they know the best and it's, it's guaranteed. It's so good. And uh, even coxcomb <laughs> can be delicious too. So, yeah, so what's your favorite part? I think I like chicken livers, and I think I like the tail. You know, it's, it's a really tough question because I can't sit down and eat yakitori without 
trying the complete menu. Um, it's just, you know, the, the one thing I, that I can tell you I haven't had was the, the trachea, which is the, it's like the windpipe of the, the chicken, which would be interesting to try. Mm, right. By the way, uh, do you have many vector restaurants in your area? Um, I'm, I'm just north of downtown LA, which is uh, the district of Little Tokyo. Mm. And down in Little Tokyo, there are several. Um, I haven't been since the pandemic, but I wish there were more. Uh, you know, I'm thinking right now of the, the, the chicken balls, you know, we call, or you might, I think you call Sukuni. Mm hmm. Right. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So this sounds like, I mean, and, and of course, first time you saw, I heard that uh, you found uh, yakitori fascinating when you went to the little Tokyo, right? In LA. Oh, it was it's just, it's, I mean, even when I go back, to, you know, the last time I went back, it's still fascinating. Uh, just take off your shoes, sit down on the tatami mats or sit at the bar and the, and you're seeing the action, which is my favorite place to sit. Uh, it's, it's just such a amazing experience every time I go. Mm. So for listeners who are not familiar with how to order yakitori at the yakitori place, uh, how do you, how do you <laughs> explain? Well, it's typically what I've encountered is it's like ordering at the sushi bar. So you have uh, the ticket with the different uh, menu items on there and you just check them off and uh, hand your order. Either if you're sitting at the bar, you'll put it to the chef and he'll take it. Or uh, sometimes the, the server would take it and get it to the chef. Mm, right. Even for, you know, First time you order, and I'm Japanese, but then first time I went to Makitori place, it's kind of like intimidating, like sushi place. What shall I order? And then what I did was just looking at other people, like who look very uh, um, familiar with how to order and uh, the best part of chicken. I just looked at those people and then followed them. Can I have that too? <laughs> that really worked. So that's one way to do it. Yeah, and the other way I like is just to look at the chef and say omakase. Mm. You know, the, you know, chef's selection. Right. Well, that would be uh, thrilling for chefs. So you're going to be treated well if you ask for omakase. Omakase means just leave it to you. So like, all right, leave it to me. Yeah. All right. Um, so, um, well, the during the pan pandemic, you know, many restaurants are affected. The whole restaurant industry was really in trouble, but how popular is Yakitori Grill lately? Um, you know, pre-COVID and during the COVID and now, how do you describe the industry right now? I would describe it this way, Akiko. Uh, Pre-COVID, um, it was strong. Post-COVID, uh, even when the, maybe a year into the pandemic, what I found was many chefs were reinventing themselves. They were looking at, at, well, what can we do that's different? And how can we bring customers back? Uh, so the Yakitori Grill is still one of our most popular sellers. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, there's there were a lot of restaurants that went under. You know, we had some Michelin star restaurants in New York. Uh, I got a call from a chef and he had to close his five star. He had a, he had like a 10 seat 
omakase uh restaurant in downtown upper upper manhattan and he had to close it and so but he called me last week and ordered uh, some equipment from us and he said in the conversation michael i really miss my little yakitori grill because he had our baby 24 inch version and um so it's it's up and down but i think now when the chef's trying to bring something very unique to their menu or to a, create a live action open kitchen, the yakitori grill is still extremely popular. Mm, right. Yeah. So, and also, like we, as we talked, it's not like yakitori grill is not smoky, so it doesn't affect the open kitchen like a whole dining room environment. There's so many good things about um, yakitori grill for restaurateurs. So hopefully, you're gonna have a lot of customers and. Yeah, I really hope so. What you're doing is very valuable. Well, we're just we're just one of the pieces of the puzzle that are keeping the the culinary world alive and and creating excitement and giving chefs another tool to, you know, just get creative. Mm, right. So, okay. Um, so, your customers uh, are they mainly in the U.S. or do you have other clients outside the country? Uh, of course, the U.S. is always our strongest uh, supporter, but, you know, we still sell quite a bit of, you know, probably 20 to 30 percent uh, overseas. I'm working on a deal today in uh, Auckland, New Zealand with a, a chef down there that's, uh, you know, w- wants to do some projects. So it's... Um, you know, you never know, Akiko, when I wake up, where the orders are going to come from. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, nowadays, everything, people look up the internet, and then why not? You can just order from anywhere, anything, basically. That's right. And, you know, and FedEx Air ships mm. pretty much anywhere we need to ship. Right. And hopefully you get a chance to fly and then see the site and uh, meet the chef owner. You know, that's always the greatest joy is when I can, uh, you know, fly out to the city and and spend some time with the chef uh, in the off hours when they're not busy and we just, you know, chill out and eat together and cook together. Mm. So do you custom make um, all those equipment? Um, We do. Uh, Most of them, well, we make them all to order anyway, but uh, most all equipment we make, whether it's our Argentine Padillas, or our Santa Maria grills or the Yakitori grills, uh, they all have a level of customization to them. Mm. Well, that makes you always excited because you have to keep trying something new and you communicate with the people uh, who wants to do something great with your equipment. It's always exciting for sure. Right. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, where can we find you online and on social media? Well, the, probably the best place to find us is directly at our website, uh, wildwoodovens.com. But we're very strong in Instagram. Uh, so we're at Instagram would be at wildwoodovensla. Uh, Facebook, we don't do too much with Facebook. Uh, YouTube, we've put a lot of content on our YouTube channel, which is Wildwood Ovens and Barbecues. And that's where you can see a lot of how the Yakitori Grill cooks. You'll be able to see our our uh, teppanyaki griddle, our elevation grill racks, and all the tricky stuff that we made to complement 
our yakitori grill. Right. By the way, you have cool videos on your website too, right? Then you you offer classes. Uh, yeah, we do. We always, in fact, from the day one when I started making pizza ovens, uh, one of my mentors, uh, we had some brainstorming sessions, and he asked me, he says, "So, Michael, are you just going to sell an oven?" And it made me think inward, and I thought, well, maybe I should teach them how to cook in it because pizza ovens were so new, and it's and you, so I did develop a test kitchen here in Los Angeles, and we've had clients for over 15 years come out here chefs come out here and bring the the team uh the kitchen back kitchen team and to so we can train them on how to cook on the brazilian grills how to use the yakitori grill and how to use the pizza ovens because they're all very specific and have a certain learning curve and my job is really to give them you know three years of experience in a day and get them feeling very confident so that when they go back to their kitchen and their equipment arrives, they were going to feel comfortable using the, the tools and, and, and they're going to be able to really start producing good quality food from the start. Mm, wow. Yeah. I, I feel that <laughs> the excitement when you know equipment already tried arrives to yours and sounds like you really enjoying what you do. And especially that, uh, interaction part and you teach your knowledge it's not just creating uh, equipment well hanging out with top chefs uh is is just to me it's like being around my you know just it's my peers you know so i learn from them they learn from me sometimes i'm i'm more amused where all I, my job is really to help get their creativity on track and that's when having a good understanding of ingredients and the source of the ingredients pays off. Uh, you know how many chefs I've had in my kitchen that never had yuzukoshi? Mm, yuzukoshi, that's and, so and Yeah, and so if I, if I cook up a little piece of wagyu and I put a little touch of yuzukoshi on the meat and they go, wow, this flavor is so exciting. What is this? Mm. So I just showed them that. And and so many chefs don't don't even know about the bonita flakes, the katsubushi. Wow. You know, so I'm just you know what I my big job really, Akiko, is most of the time I'm just the messenger. I'm just I'm just showing you this is the this is the way, this is the path. You can you can go through the door, or you you don't have to. But this is what you want to be cooking with, and that's my job is to enlighten the chef. Mm, I would call not the messenger but an ambassador. <laughs> Oh, I like that too. That's that's a good, can I use that? Of course. <laughs> so yeah. By the way, the listeners, uh, Yuzuko Show is uh, um, Yuzu is the Japanese unique Japanese citrus, and then uh, Yuzuko Show. Kosho is like you know uh, pepper, but independently. But it's more like a salty, uh, citrusy condiment. So it's so diversely, um, you know, useful that you can just put it anything, basically anything. So yeah, right? and we were actually made. yeah, sorry, yeah, and it's also it's available at uh, Japanese grocery stores, right? It is. Um, you know, I mean, we're so lucky. I mean, just like you in New York City, we have a very large Japanese market here where you can go in and get anything you need. Mm, right, and I think it's a it's more available online too, or Japanese grocery. So, yeah. So, 
Anyway, so listeners, if you want to try yakitori grill, maybe you can have some like yuzu kosho too. I think it's a good combination, like simple chicken and yuzu kosho. That sounds delicious. I like the way you think. <laughs> All right. So,、uh, so thank you so much for joining us today, Michael. It's been a pleasure, Akiko. All right. So, hopefully, I'll see you in LA at your test kitchen and I learn from. You're always welcome. <laughs> okay. So, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for short topics or guests, please contact us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or akikokatema.com. Japanese is a weekly program and always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Aman Wang, and thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Japanese is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a non profit organization. Driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.